never just settling on whatever you happen to inherit from your culture immediately around you. And there are plenty of ways to do that, to get new ideas in your head that normally wouldn't exist if you just stayed with what was immediately available to you. Welcome to the Global from Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now your host, Michael Michelini. Today's podcast is brought to you by Aurelia Pay. I use them personally for sending money to my Chinese suppliers from Hong Kong. It's a cross-border payment solution between China, Hong Kong, and Southeast Asia. So when I need to make a payment to a Chinese supplier, I just hop online to place the remittance, pay to the Aurelia Pay's Hong Kong-based bank account, and Aurelia Pay will settle RMB within the same business day. So check them out online at www.aureliapay.com, A-U-R-E-L-I-A-P-A-Y.com, or check them out linked in our show notes. All right, Global From Asia episode, what number is it, Angelica? It's episode 195. Awesome. Episode 195, com slash episode 195 for for uh, links and notes and all that fun stuff and pictures and things like that. And I, I was talking to Angelica, she knows I've been uh, pretty pretty beat up the last couple of weeks. I mean, it's been fun, but, you know, went to Shanghai chat conference, we had a meetup there for Global From Asia, another meetup mm-hmm. in Hangzhou, saw Alibaba, uh, and then uh, came back down to the south, spent the last three days back-to-back interviews in factories, Chinese Amazon FBA sellers, these huge, massive millionaire sellers. It's going to be an amazing video series. We're also going to spin some off into audio podcasts so you guys can listen in if you don't want to watch the videos. But uh, it's going to be some awesome content for the cross-border matchmakers. It's the, it's the main point, Angelica. We're going to start mm-hmm. having these massive sellers on these uh, YouTube videos and audio podcasts to share their stories and how they're making millions on on FBA uh, in the U.S. and overseas. So I, uh, I'm I'm really kind of curious to see mm-hmm. how the how you guys react mm-hmm. on that. But uh, I'm you know we also rushed really hard. I was talking to Chris Davy too. We're also rushing. You know, everybody's rushing before the uh, mm-hmm. holiday. I don't know if you know. There's no holiday in the Philippines, right? But uh, in here in China, there's a week holiday next week. Do you know that? No, I don't. So what would the holiday be? Basically, it's I think it's two holidays in one. I think that's why it's longer than usual. It's Mid-Autumn mm-hmm. Festival, which is uh, in Chinese is called Yue Bing. Well, there's, it's basically these uh, moon cakes. So I don't know if you, oh. you ever heard of a moon cake. <laughs> yes, yes, I, I do. You might see them around. I'm sure in the Philippines, there's got to be some kind of festivities but you'll see these mooncakes everywhere i i don't want to disrespect anybody's culture but uh, i don't really like eating them so have you, you eaten them before <laughs> yes i do <laughs> do you like them yeah. uh, yes I, yes i, I think <laughs> okay i don't know I, I guess the starbucks ones are pretty good i don't think they're like normal ones the normal ones they have that egg in the middle like a boiled egg in the middle you ever, mm-hmm. it's not yeah. my, not mm-hmm. my style uh, and then also <laughs> there's another holiday is a national holiday. So I think so they celebrate the Chinese army strength mm-hmm. and things like that. But uh, yeah, I won't get political. Maybe I'll disappear one day if I get too political. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, uh, well, uh, how about this week's, you know, your member series is getting, oh, we're up to how many number, what number of member series we have for VIP members? 
actually we already featured five members and our yeah we already featured five members and uh the featured member for this week is Sander Weyers. So he's the founder of Elements, um, Elements Z and iDopt. Um, so yeah, it's been great and there will be a couple more um, this coming weeks. So yeah, hopefully they, they read our member series blog. Sure, we'll link it up on the notes. But yeah, Sandor is awesome. He's he's based in Hong Kong. We, we worked together on projects and he's uh, mm-hmm. he's doing great things bridging south africa and uh and hong kong and china and asia so uh he's, he's a great guy and you guys should check out that that blog series well and now we got for us the podcast so the podcast um this was one i recorded with greg deal he's um mm-hmm. he's a he's a he's very uh he's got very strong opinions and we had a, a long talk, no, not a long, average length talk about uh, traveling as a transformation. It's actually the title of one of his books. He's written a bunch of books. He's also helping others write and publish books. So as an author, he's got really cool uh, perspectives. So this is kind of in our, cat- mm-hmm. this this podcast is more in a lifestyle category. You know, here at Global Information, we have to mostly talk about business, but sometimes, yes. sometimes we talk about lifestyle and he has some very unique unique uh, perspectives on life and perspectives on on uh, the way we live and the way we think uh so mm-hmm. I, I think it really does challenge the ways of uh of how people think and he's had some experiences in china that he didn't he didn't like that he talks yeah. about in the interview mm-hmm. so without further ado i think we'll we'll tune into our inter- the interview with greg you ready okay cool All right, thank you everybody for tuning in to another Global From Asia podcast. We have with us the deal maker, Gregory Deal. Thanks for being here, Greg. Thank you, and thanks for having me. And thank you for reading my books. That yeah. helps a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's very, uh, very fascinating. And uh, I've been reading a lot of other, you've been involved with quite a few books, it seems, or writing you know writing a, like a lot ahead of me i think i try to keep the habit but uh you're definitely a, a very active writer and and uh i've uh read been reading your books and books you're involved with and um it's, it's been really fascinating so yeah thanks for contributing that knowledge to to the world yeah it's just amazing to me it seems like such an untapped outlet i mean it was just a couple years ago that i figured out that this could even be done this whole self-publishing a book thing which unfortunately came as a result of being ripped off by somebody who told me they were going to help me self-publish a book and then i had to figure out how to do it on my own and i suddenly realized this isn't that hard to figure out and once my first book got to you know pretty high ranking on amazon then i wrote another book about travel and then i started helping other people write and produce their own books for the most recent one was one about taxes for U.S. expats who have left the country but still have to pay taxes back to America, which was the primary author was a CPA named Olivier Wagner, but I wrote the forward to it and helped him publish and produce it. Yep. And so it's it's just, you know, I feel like there are endless ideas out there now that I can either write as my own book or help other people publish and produce. Yeah, it's very, very, very cool. Um, I've got a couple out there that are little bit more niche or maybe I'm just not good, uh, a good marketer. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I love, I love writing so, and sharing. So yeah, your books have really helped me with, with my mindset. I think my favorite one was uh, travel as transformation. And, uh, that's your latest, your latest book, I believe. Right. 
Yeah, that one came out about five or six months ago. I said, no, it's that long, three or four or five months ago. Travel is transformation. It sort of just chronicles, you know, I wanted to write a travel book that wasn't a travel book, like go to this really interesting place and have an amazing experience. Like what a great worldly person you'll become. I wanted it to be more just about, you know, how you as a person change in your perspective of yourself and the world around you as you experience different kinds of places. So I do, you know, of course, talk about the places I've been to, but it's more about here's what I learned from each place I went to over the last 10 years as I went from country to country, now having been to about 50 of them. Yeah. Yeah. So, so today, today, um, I've, I was actually interested. I highlighted some of it in, in my Kindle and I remember specifically your China experiences and I've related and I've somehow stayed here, although it seems like your opinion is I, in a way I agree, but I'd love to talk about this is, you know, like it's a very interesting country. I mean, the people are amazing, right? And the uh, people and countries are not always the exact, you, know, you can't, you can't judge a book by its cover maybe, or you can't, you know, there's, um, but I mean, Chinese people are amazing. And I remember your experiences kind of being, uh, Helping with English, you know, of course, that's a common, common way here to, to earn a living is teaching English. And there was a family that was like, really, really wanted you to stay longer, right? I mean, that was something that I, I really started. I mean, of course, I'm a guy in China, foreigner in China. So that stuck out to me. And, uh, I was actually curious because to hear more, more of that, if you're willing or, or you remember kind of that, that part of the, Oh, I remember. I don't think I could ever forget China. Uh, China, as I comment in the book, was probably the worst experience of my life, without exaggeration. Oh, no. <laughs> the, the chapter where I talk about it is titled Arriving at the Dark Night of the Soul. So that should give you an idea of my opinion of it. But in, because of that, I think I learned the most from China more than any other place I've been in the world because it really showed me a completely different way of society being structured, people being taught to live and to think and just, you know, some things you never would have even considered possible until you see it played out on a mass scale all around you. And I did work in education while I was there for about six months. So I saw, you know, a different perspective on it than the tourist who just goes there and doesn't get involved in the society. Mm-hmm. I worked in government schools. I worked in private schools. And then, yeah, I worked privately with this family who basically I was going to leave because I was so miserable there. And they begged me to stay because they had been looking for years for somebody who could work with their kids to get them fluent in English as well as I did, because apparently that's really difficult to do to find somebody who who could actually uh, create some kind of emotional connection and, and get them excited about learning. Whereas in school, you know, they're just packed into these classrooms, like 60 to 100 kids at a time and just, you know, wrote memorization, learn this, repeat this, learn this, repeat this. So they learned English, you know, learn in quotes. Uh, for 12 years or so in school. And at the end, they could barely ask, uh, hello, uh, how are you? Uh, I'm fine. Thank you. And you, you know, and it sounds like I'm making fun of them, but that's literally the extent of most of their English after 12 years of studying it in school from somebody who can't even speak it anyway. So, you know, it was a big deal for them and seeing to them, you know, how important it was that I was there to help them because they were trying to emigrate to the U.S. and their kids needed to be fluent in English to do that. And they were so desperate to get out of China, this place I myself was so desperate to get out of. It really forced me to to alter my perception of humanity and 
a lot of things about myself and yeah, interesting experience. I, I recommend it for somebody who wants to see a very extreme perspective on humanity, but that's about all I can say about it. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I've, I've had my love hate here. Uh, I'm right on the border of Hong Kong and, and China. Uh, so I, I, I'll be actually going to Hong Kong in a couple of days for a couple of days. I have a small office there and, uh, and a home office in Shenzhen, so I'm back and forth. But uh, yeah, I could totally understand. You seem like you're pretty deep into China, right? I forget where whereabouts you were. I primarily spent time in Hanzhou and Dalian. Yeah, so that's a little bit pretty local and north. And Dalian, I spent a few months in Dalian uh, at an incubator. And uh, was it winter time? Yes. Yeah, it was cold when I was there. <laughs> oh, okay. So, yeah, transformation. I think it's uh it's very uh, very important I think for people to leave their home country whether it, it's the dark side of, you know, mainland China or or uh, you know, uh, all these amazing places around the world. And uh I was actually just watching a, a YouTuber. He's one of the probably most first YouTubers in China, uh, Serpent Serpent Za. He's a South African here in China and, uh, making a full-time living off YouTube. So he's doing pretty well. And he was just kind of, uh, venting about getting people immediately thinking that he is like a, uh, sex tourist or a, you know, a loser back home LBH. I never even heard that. I was just watching this video. So, you know, like it's always challenging, right? When you go to these and I've even followed your Facebook too. And you know, you, you, you're, I'm, forgetting a country i think you're in south america now and you you i'm in peru at the moment peru and you're trying to get some rest at a reasonable hour and by you asking your neighbor to uh turn the sound down they consider you and in uh you know a foreigner oh it's just it's astounding like you know, you see all kinds of people when you travel. And I know everybody likes to say, your travel destroys your negative stereotypes of people. You learn how wonderful people are and because you meet them in person and you, and you see how great they are. And some of that's true. But that, to me, that's only half the story because I think you learn both extremes. Mm-hmm. And I think you learn how great people are and how horrible they are because mm-hmm. it's both. And I would never, I don't see the world through rose colored glasses. You know, I don't believe that humanity is fundamentally wonderful. I think we are all over the map. We are the best and worst you can possibly imagine. And sometimes like, sometimes it just comes out in these really weird, innocuous ways. Like I'm having a great time in Arequipa, Peru, you know, a pleasant little town, lots of cafes and, and tourist attractions. And in general, people are very friendly good service in the restaurants and I'm not even in the center of the city renting this fairly nice house and music is blasting until three in the morning from my Peruvian neighbor. <laughs> but I'm there with my girlfriend. Neither of us can sleep. We're getting pretty irritable. I walk over, knock on the door to this very loud party with a lot of drunk people. <laughs> and I say to him in Spanish, like, Hey, you know, we're, we're trying to sleep. <laughs> Could you please turn off or turn down the music? Like it's three in the morning. You know, it's, this is, I'm not even being a dick about it. You know, I'm just saying like, it's three in the morning. Come on, like be reasonable here. Trying to sleep. He, he comes outside and says to me in clear English, well, this is my home. This is where I live. How would you like if I came over to your house and knocked on your door and said, I don't like foreigners living here? Yeah, yeah, I remember you said, <laughs> just, yeah. I'm just like mouth agape at that point. Like, first of all, 
How do you even equate those two things? Mm-hmm. You blasting music so the entire neighborhood can hear it at three in the morning versus me being from another country are somehow the same thing. Like that's an attack on your personal space. The fact that I'm from another country and just the balls of this guy. Like, mm-hmm. Can you imagine someone in America saying that to a Mexican immigrant yeah, or something yeah. like, oh, why don't you go back to Mexico if you don't like it, you beaner? You yeah. know? Like, what? Can you imagine that? Like, and it just shows you, you know. People are both wonderful and terrible. And then later, my girlfriend went over there, said said the same thing, essentially, even later on when they hadn't stopped. And she's an attractive 23-year-old girl from Eastern Europe. And instead of being assholes to her, they try to pull her in and flirt with her and hit on her. These are like 50-year-old men with families. Mm-hmm. Oh, where, where are you from? Come in, sit down, come hang out with us. So, you know, just she just gets disgusted and, and screams at them and leaves. And it's, again, it just shows you like, even though I really like Latin America in general, I've got a property in Ecuador just north of here. Sometimes you just realize how crappy people are, <laughs> not in the not in the you know world supervillain kind of way where they're just horrible, evil people doing destructive things in the world, but they just have no respect for other people at all. You know, and I don't I don't draw any distinguishing lines between whether someone's a local or a foreigner. So I should treat them one way or another. I just see human beings and you respect other human beings and their privacy and their personal space. And you don't do things that are going to interfere with their peace of mind in general. Right. But I guess not everyone follows that rule. Yeah, I know. I know. So I, what we you know what we're saying here is uh, what's for us traveling to another place is very eye opening but then you get surrounded by locals whether it's in China, Peru or you know even but of course at the same side foreigners going to America or Iranians or wherever you know they have these just because based on where you're born right like or you know the color of your skin that people have this idea of who you who you are before they even talk to you and i've been seeing this more and more and it's getting really kind of scary but uh it's uh it's it's something we have to learn as, as, a, as, a, as, a, you know, is it expats? What are we actually? Are we ex, are we digital nomads? I guess it's, that's something that's curious. I, am I an expat? Because I've been here almost 10 years, uh, or what, I guess that's what, well, what yeah, I we're kind of embodying a new territory that there's not a lot of precedent for because travel is now more accessible than it's ever been before, you know? So, uh, and I talked about this with Olivier Wagner, the guy I wrote mm-hmm. the, the U S taxes for worldly Americans book for, you know, we, we tried to, de- to define who the target market was. Yep. And we opened up the book saying, you know, you probably fit into one of these three categories. If you're reading this book, you're either an expatriate, mm-hmm. somebody who has relocated to a new country and is more or less stable there. And maybe you still go back and visit the U S from time to time, but you've basically settled in a new country become a resident or even a citizen of that country and spend most of your time there. Or you could be a perpetual traveler slash digital nomad, which means, you know, you work online from a computer, which I do, of course, like technically I'm a digital nomad, but I don't always feel like I fit in with the stereotypical image of a digital yeah, nomad, yeah, yeah. which is somebody going from country to country, uh, not really staying in one place long enough to be considered a resident there, especially a tax resident. Or you could be an accidental American, that's what he calls them, people who have American citizenship, but didn't even realize they did. Mm. Like they were, they're from Canada, but they were born in America. And if if you're born in America, you are technically an American citizen. And apparently this thing is more common than people realize they're still being taxed as an American, even though they have never even been to America besides being born there or something. Craziness. Craziness. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm still, I'm still deep into, into that. Olivier's book. Uh, He was actually on this, on this very podcast earlier talking about renouncing us citizenship. 
I don't know about others, but I got really emotional on it. I did it in person. He was, he was sitting next to me in my Hong Kong office uh, when he came for a conference. And uh, I didn't expect it. It was really, really crazy. Like I got into tears. I got choked up. I kept going. I just let, I don't know if people could tell if they, when they were listening, but it's never happened to me before. And, uh, you know, I think it's just because I'm a, I'm a born American, you know, I don't never expect I live in China or outside of America my whole life. Like I first came to China for my sourcing of products for my eBay and e-commerce business in 07. And, uh, you know, he's there and I'm, I knew it would be an interesting topic because, you know, my, my podcast and, and my blog and audience is also kind of interested in, and living abroad. So, uh, when I was asking, he's kind of like digging into deeper about how to do it. And I'm thinking about my mom and my dad and, uh, they're not happy that I'm outside of China, especially my mom. And, uh, it did choke me up quite a bit. And it's, he was, you know, I think he, I don't want to, maybe I'll put his name into it. exactly how I responded, but he's, I think a lot of people said we're kind of brain. It's kind of like what a country brainwashes us, right? Like they, it's part of their branding. I guess it's just like uh, Louis Vuitton wants me to buy their bag. The country wants me to be branded and loyal to following what they say is, is right maybe. And it, it's almost creating rate. It, it creates racism to me because then it's like, I don't want to get into this Donald Trump story, you know, Donald Trump stuff, but mm-hmm. it does create these walls that are going up now. Brexit, Trump, even stuff is happening in, in Asia. It's just scary to me, you know, and uh, I don't know. I don't really know what your answer is or your action. Maybe you can react to that. But, you know, I just have been still recovering from that interview in a way in the back of my mind. But just overall, like, you know, I guess I'm surrounded by these surrounded by these this issue. Um, and uh, I'm actually planning to be overseas long term. I have two kids, a Chinese wife, and uh, it's crazy stuff. Yeah, that's a topic that is definitely covered both in my books and in Olivier's book. Yeah. In fact, if, when you get to the final chapter, it's all about why you might want to consider renouncing your US citizenship. Mm-hmm. And he's taken it from the angle of taxes. The only way to stop paying taxes as an American is to no longer be an American. And mm-hmm. America is one of only two countries in the world that has this insane worldwide tax policy, yeah, which yeah. basically, as long as you are technically an American citizen, no matter where you live or work or how you make your money, you must pay taxes to the U.S. government. Yep. And there are loopholes legally around that, things like the foreign earned income exclusion or mm-hmm. the foreign tax credit, where you can oftentimes lower your taxes legally to zero, but you are still obligated to file. And if you make a lot of money, you know, heaven help you. And it's it's mm-hmm. just insane, right? Especially people who, who don't even have active ties to the U.S. anymore. Yeah. Like I still travel on a U.S. passport some of the time. I've been fortunate that I've been able to get two other passports even in the last year, I've become both Georgian and Armenian. Very cool. So I have some backups now, and I certainly wouldn't mind adding a few more to my collection. But even something like that, like being a multinational citizen, is such a relatively new concept for people. Mm-hmm. Even though it's been technically possible for a while, it just hasn't really come into our minds as, as something that's appropriate. Like people think it's illegal, or they think I'm like James Bond or something. Like even having a second passport, let alone a third one. 
So we definitely wanted to cover that in the book as an option for people, first of all, to get additional citizenships. There are sometimes, sometimes it's easier than you might have anticipated. Sometimes it takes a few years. Sometimes it takes a little bit of money. If you've got ancestry in certain places, my yeah. grandmother was from Armenia. That's how I got the Armenian passport, a country most people probably have never even heard of, except for Kim Kardashian. <laughs> and, and then he talks about, okay, so once you've decided you no longer want to be American and you have some other options to fall back on, Here's what you have to do to officially stop being American. You don't just get to say, ah, screw you, America. I don't consider myself American anymore. You have to go through a very lengthy, usually expensive process, but that's what you got to do if you want to be completely off their radar. Otherwise, yep. they're going to follow you around for life. Yep. Yep. I'm interested to get to that part. Um, I try to keep, yeah, I mean, I chip away at books. I, I do get through them, but I try to at least do 10 minutes a day. So it sounds like not much, but it gets, it does get through books. I mean, so um, I'm actually similar. I'm an Italian-American and I'm working on my grandfather came to Italy, you know, America from Ellis Island and there's records uh, and stuff like that. So and actually a podcast. Yeah, Italy and Ireland are the are the two biggest ones in Europea, Europe, <laughs> European, sorry, uh, for a descent by citizenship by descent, Italy and Ireland. If you can prove you've got a grandparent from one of those two places. Yep. Yep. I have. So something Something's going on. I haven't really talked about that on a podcast yet because it's not it's so early, but I guess why not break it up now? And but uh, it's it's still actually another podcast is going to be before yours. It's already recorded. Um, seasteading. I don't know if you've heard that term, but I sure yeah. I just uh, did an interview with uh, T- uh, Tahiti is a pr- uh, French Polynesia has approved the uh, a seasteading act uh mou so they're building um a seasteading location there and it will be helping it's probably gonna be a couple of years out but it was approved by the president a government in polynesia has approved of it in exchange for the smart people of silicon valley and around the world to come there and help their their islands from not getting submerged underwater due to global warming and all that so they're trying to fix the uh, sea levels or, you know, somehow solve that problem. So there's a, they're going to be calling uh digital nomads and uh, smart people to be coming over to Tahiti if you want. And they're having a conference about it in May. I'm thinking about go. I'm working on going to, but it's, it's amazing. I never would have expected to be considering to go to Tahiti. <laughs> My wife is down actually. So uh, it's just, it's just, but that's just what I mean, back to, you know, traveling as transformation, it's just opens your mind. Like, I think I was a little bit more like, uh, what's that with the horses that have the blinders on, you know, mm-hmm. when I was younger, as, yeah. you know, American. And I don't think I was ever like, uh, I was always kind of a little bit more open-minded, but definitely nothing like I am now. And it's definitely just because, you know, going, going abroad and just keeping an open mind and being a on a little bit local side, right? And uh going at it. So for some listeners, there's still listeners that are still, you know, home or they they visit me in China, but they're still going back to America and they're 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 totally like mind blown that people like us can kind of like on a longer term basis live overseas. Is it just not for everybody, you think, or 
or, or what, what? I absolutely don't think it's for everyone. I mean, I know people who have embraced this new digital nomad phenomenon, especially if they're younger, they're like, everyone should travel. It's amazing. It's so easy, bro. Come, come to hang out in Bali or Thailand, you know, and it's, I really don't think it is for everyone. I think people should travel at least once in their life just for the perspective of it. But living this lifestyle of constantly going from place to place, you know, it's, it's definitely not for everyone, but I think the perspective and education it gives you. I don't know of any other way to get that. Right. Mm -hmm. And I do try to talk about that in my book. Like, I don't think this lifestyle is for everyone, but at the same time, it has shown me and taught me things that I don't know how else I would have learned these things. Like, I just don't think it would have been possible with any other path I could have taken in life. And now I get to use those lessons and, and this new perspective it has given me. So for the right kind of person, someone who's really, really curious about how the world works and, and feels like they're trapped with the options they were given in their home culture. I'm from San Diego, which is a very comfortable place. Yeah. But in that way, it's sort of a prison. I spent the first 18 years of my life there and had no idea what other possibilities even existed. And now I'm still discovering new ones every day, despite the fact that I've been all over the world. Yeah. So for that kind of person, absolutely. You got to break out of that self-imposed cultural prison. And this goes back to that, you know, that branding thing. Like if you're an American citizen, you know, it's not just the passport. It's not just the label. It's the mindset you have mm-hmm. that you consider that place, your home. That's where you're comfortable. Those are the rules you're familiar with the way of living and everything else is foreign to you mm-hmm. to really live in another place is to change your mindset and adopt new cultural ways for living. And since we're now living in an age where you can do this with many places all over the world, we are sort of embodying this whole new multicultural mindset where you're not allegiant just to one place and you don't have to follow just one set of rules. You're free to pick and choose your own values. And I think that's terrifying for some people. It really makes you wonder, you know, in 10, 20, 30, 50 years, what is the world going to look like? Just like, you know, how the internet has changed, how we communicate and work and share information. How is, if people are living a multicultural lifestyle a couple decades from now, that's just the norm that you live across many different countries. What is the world going to look like? Mm, that's true. I mean, maybe we'll be on Mars sooner than we think. I think Elon Musk sure. is working on that, but uh, I don't know. I'm all, I was even talking about, I have the, you know, we, you probably have these conversations too with your friends that, you know, at night, uh, what's the government going to be in Mars? Is America going to try to make <laughs> me be American in Mars? If I go to Mars, I, I, I wonder about, I guess they will, right? I, or there's probably going to be wars, wars, right? China and America are going to fight. Sort of depends who gets there first. Yeah. Right? I mean, the, the free market capitalists are always trying to stay one step beyond the reach of the government. So seasteading is another great example. Exactly. They're trying to go out to the oceans where no government can tell them what to do. Exactly. Right? And Mars is just taking that a couple steps it was, further, right? It was if, if Elon Musk gets to Mars before the U.S. government does, who has authority over Mars? Elon Musk does, right? Yeah. Well, I think he's funded by the government. I'm not totally sure, but I'm sure. They, oh, is he? I'm pretty sure some of this stuff is, is funded by the government. But I'm not, don't want to be quoted on that. I mean, we have to do some research, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, all these, you know, all these big companies are, well, that goes to a whole nother thing about the, why Facebook's blocked in China. And actually you, you should hear these conversations about Chinese saying, agreeing, agreeing with the blocking because it's the U S government that's controlling oh, I know. Facebook. So, yeah. So, uh, that's, a. Uh, we air this actually somewhat in China. I mean, I don't know if Chinese people really listen to podcasts because it's a little bit, uh, a little bit 
of a newer thing, but uh, I wonder what they would think about this. But it's uh, it's been you know I, it's just been fascinating for me. I mean, and you, you know, I mean your books and just this whole lifestyle. So I think it's just both sides of the fence, right? Like uh, I remember I used to kind of like. I had I had Chinese friends in school and I'm talking about like third fourth grade and uh, they would uh, karate karate chop me man they were even being racist to themselves like you know backflip me on a on the front lawn of a on our walk back from school and when I remember Sean Lu and uh, never would have thought I'd live here but they're they're trying to come back here and Chinese are buying up all the U.S. real estate now and. Uh, it's just a fascinating, fascinating world. And I think the main point is we're ahead of the game by traveling as transformation as, as your book is titled. And if people can't travel, maybe they don't, their family or physically, I mean, is there any other way you could think that they could get that experience? I mean, maybe there isn't, but what, what is well, some to other- me, the whole, the whole thing is about challenging what you believe, right? Never just settling on whatever you happen to inherit from your culture immediately around you. And there are plenty of ways to do that is to get new ideas in your head that normally wouldn't exist if you just stayed with what was immediately available to you, because information is so widespread now. Read unconventional books that challenge you, even watching movies that introduce, you know, new questions, new philosophies into your brain. If they're well-made movies, whatever it is, Uh, talk to people from other countries. I don't know, but you have to somehow constantly be questioning whatever you believe to be true or real or not just real in the objective sense, right? Like two plus two is four. But what is true about you is what you believe, what you prefer to do, the way you live, the kind of person you want to marry, the kind of life you want to live. Is that authentic to you or is that just the first thing you learned? How do you know until you've tried other things, mm. right? How do you know until you've questioned, do I actually care about this? Do I actually want to do this? Mm, I like that. Yeah. I mean, it's keeping an open mind and challenging yourself and I like the Steve Jobs quote. I mean, there's so many of them, but there was one video that they found from the archives that uh, the the basic part I remember is, you know, society wants you to just kind of stay on track and not bang against the, he remember he uses like bang against the walls, you know, they want you to stay, you know, you go through the school, you get into debt, you get a job, you get into, you buy a house, you get into more debt, you stay in your job. But, you know, that's the track you're supposed to go on. But um, and so many people are afraid to, like, get off that track and bang against the wall and spin out and crash. But uh, I think it's it's uh, it's really about trying that, whether you leave your yeah, leave the home country, leave your hometown or, or whatever. But I think, yeah, like you're saying, is just trying to break out of the mold that we're trying to be put into and uh, trying to get break out of the matrix. So mm-hmm. this, that's, that's a great analogy for it. Yeah. So this has been a fascinating, the limits yeah. to your thinking. It's been a fascinating talk and I know, uh, and I respect your time and how we've talked about some books and I'll definitely link everything up, you know, Olivier's books and your books on, on the show notes. How else could people find you and, and, uh, what you're doing online? Well, all my books are primarily sold through Amazon. The first one is brand identity breakthrough, which is just about, Better way to communicate as an entrepreneur than this travel is transformation. Olivier's book is U.S. Taxes for Worldly Americans. But if you want to know more about me, go to gregorydeal.net. 
Deal is spelled D-I-E-H-L. You can listen to my podcast, Uncomfortable Conversations with Gregory, where we talk about things like this, like the limits to your thinking, the limits to your comfort zone. Very cool. And I've just recently started a, a publication company as a result of having helped so many people launch successful books now, which is Identity Publications. So my partner, Anastasia, and I now have an operation going kind of like book in a box, but cheaper, better, and with a focus on like really high caliber ideas. So check that out. And I'm happy to talk to you. Add me on Facebook. We'll see if we can make something happen. Very cool. Very cool, Gregory. And uh, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Greg, for sharing. I got some interesting perspectives, but I totally agree. Traveling does transform us. And I don't think I'll ever be the same 10 years in China. I mean, I went to Italy the first time I got laughed at because I had orange sneakers from the US and when it was cool. But uh, if you haven't, if you're still in your home country and you never left, I don't, you know, whatever age you're at, I, I really strongly, strongly suggest taking some travel time and uh, it makes you have an open mind, makes you be flexible. So I, I, uh, I would strongly suggest you do that. Uh, well, that's all we got for today. You know, and I've been pushing this cross-border matchmaker. I don't know if you're still listening, globalformation.com slash matchmaker, Friday, October 27th. I know a bunch of you probably don't make it out to China, but if you do, uh, it's not, it's a reasonable price, a little bit of our, you know, like a hundred bucks. And it's going to be an amazing action-packed day for qualified e-commerce sellers, business owners. These guys, these Chinese sellers actually are not as scary as you think. They want to meet you. Uh, we want to make some relationships, make some things happen. And uh, I'm going to pass out. I'm, I'm exhausted. So I hope you guys enjoy this show. Feedback, ratings, reviews, emails, uh, I do read them. Take care. Bye-bye. To get more info about running an international business, please visit our website at www.globalfromasia.com. That's www.globalfromasia.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our iTunes feed. Thanks for tuning in.